Welcome back to another episode of Sunscrap Nation's podcast. Your host is always Daniel Jonas, back here with a special interview with my friend Nate Evans from MMA True Fan. Um, he is here to talk about his documentary series uh, from MMA True Fan coming up. They're doing their second season. Uh, how are you, Nate? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. Um, awesome. we're, uh, you want to go ahead and tell the fans about what you what you're doing and um i mean it's very very if for all my fans especially um who are hardcore mma fans this is something they definitely want to listen to uh so why don't you go ahead i told a little bit about it but you can give them all the details sure yeah thank you so true fan is really a biographical series on legendary fighters it's for like like the name is like the truest hardcore fans of martial arts um, people who want to know more about the legends of the sport, about some newer fighters, not, not, not brand new, but people who have been around for a while. Um, season one was focused on some of the pioneering legends like Randy Couture, Ken Shamrock, Boss Rutten, Kevin Randleman, Dan Severn, uh, Mark Coleman, Vanley Silva, Minotaro Noguera. And what we do is we interview the fighters. We interview people that they know. We write a narrative on their biography of basically uh, – encapsulating their entire life and at key moments we have the people who were involved with them talk about these moments like we talked to Minotaro's trainers like Mario Sperry and Ricardo Laborio and some past opponents uh, like Josh Barnett and other people and when we talk about certain fights we talk to those people we do all exclusive interviews these are all stories straight from the first-hand sources so that's a little bit different than maybe some other podcast series I've done in the past like this um, we have one on, on George St. Pierre coming out probably hopefully around the end of May and our next episodes in no specific order. Uh, we George, Boyce Gracie, Anderson Silva, Dan Henderson, Henzo Gracie, Don Fry, Frank Shamrock. Um, I might be missing someone, but you know, we're, we're going to be releasing those every other month from, from now until, you know, for the, for the next year or so. And we have other episodes we're working on now. Those ones I just talked about are pretty much done. Uh, we we want to roll them out, spread it out a little bit more so we can keep making more content and having it more evenly distributed, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because before we released eight of them in a row, like week after week, and then there's this big gap where we right. were off for like six, eight months. And uh, we don't, we don't want to have that kind of gap. We want to try to have consistency in releasing them. So we're going to do our best to release them every other month. Um, we're, pretty much done with with most of them as far as recording and editing goes but uh, we want to try to uh, have it more evenly distributed if that makes sense and we're hoping to have George done probably by the end of May we're hoping okay awesome yeah so you guys have a back catalog of stuff that you've already done as well so for those that are looking to see some more of their stuff uh, I think your first one is um, Kevin Randleman if I'm not mistaken so right, right off the bat, a legend in himself. And, you know, our, uh, although he passed away, you guys get the closest relatives of his you guys can get to talk to. And, um, you know, just off that, then Boss, Boss Rutten, for example. So for those that are new to MMA, this is a good travel back in time to get to know these people that have pioneered the sport. And then on top of that, you know, they're still fighters, so there's stuff that if you love about fighting now, you'll love about them back then. So, um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm excited for season two. I'm excited for this GSP episode for sure. I'm going to give it a good listen. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. You know, you, you know, you know I know that, that you're, you're involved with, with, with TriStar. So, right. You know, it's uh, uh, really cool to talk to someone who, uh, you know, has like inside knowledge because, you know, I've talked to a lot of the people involved. I've talked to George, obviously, right. and some trainers. I talked to Sandra O'Fair last night. And, um, but, uh, you know, but I've never been inside TriStar. So I don't, you know, like I don't, I don't, I don't know the, the uh, ins and outs of it like that. I just know basically things about George's career, George as a person, George's training, George's generosity. And, um, you know, but he's a very interesting person. He's right. done a lot of very interesting things. And um, a lot of things that as, as much as, as much research as I did, and I spent months researching him, Mm-hmm. Um, about his childhood, about his career, about who he is as a person. So many things in the interviews came out just from him that I didn't know, like how he gave almost all of his belts away, you know? Wow. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, he only has, I think, one of his belts. And hmm. he doesn't even know which belt it was. Um, so it just kind of goes to show the kind of person he is. And, yeah. um, you know, but, but he talks about stuff that's topical today. Like he, talked, he talks about Khabib. He talks about, you know... Uh, his, his life today and what he's most proud of. So, you know, some of it is, uh, some of it is, is kind of uh, trivial, such as like things from his childhood and stuff like that. So people who are very interested in him, learning the ins and outs will get that. But also mm-hmm. people who, are, who just kind of want to hear about, you know, um, things that are relevant in his life today, there's that as well. So we yeah. try to focus on retired fighters right. um, mostly so we can, we can take in the, the full story. Now there's some people who were kind of fighting a little bit still, like uh, we're doing one on Machida that we're working on now and he's still mm-hmm. kind of active, but you know, I think he'd be the first to say that, you know, he's, he's closer to the end than, than the beginning. And same with Frank Mir, we're looking to do one on him possibly. We talked to him a while ago and we're, we're not, we're not sure if, uh, you know, you know, if he's available right now, but right. hopefully down the road. But uh, Mir was really open uh, when talking about Noguera. He talked about the submission against Noguera about the arm break, how it disturbed him, yeah, and talked about how, and talked about how, how he admired Noguera, how Noguera inspired him as a younger fighter, and how he got to know him when they're coaches on the show. So uh, there are a lot of things that you know, as much research as I could possibly do, I couldn't uncover most of the stuff that we have in the episodes because they come straight from the interviews. So, right. so that's a little bit different than what maybe some other shows who cover historical stuff have done. Yeah, instead of having a narrator talk about it all you have them actually talk about it so that's that's a different thing and it's firsthand experience as well as um i mean for example with gsp a guy that he goes back and for those that don't know he he coaches on monday and he's typically in on like sunday at tristar and so he has gym talk with everybody so as far as being um who's like who's number one right now in the world and talking about all that kind of stuff. He's in it because people ask him on a daily basis. Like, what do you think? What do you think? Because he's there for it. Um, and as far as TriStar is concerned, it's a, you go there and it's a mystique hidden behind it because it breeds out these top contenders and people from all over the world come to train there. So it has this like mystique, but it is like one of the most down to earth gyms. It's not even in the center city of Montreal. It's like in the outskirts and the, and it's um, you walk in, it's just like a older gym that you've been to a hundred times and has that fighter gym feel. I mean, the stuff's nice. Like they've got the the cage room and a full size octagon and the ring, but 
you can just feel that it's not overcome with money and investment and all this kind of galore. It's, you know, what it is. And that's, I understand the mystique of it now. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's certainly one of the best gyms in the world. You know, I mean, like a lot of people mm-hmm. have said, I mean, I've heard Joe Rogan say that if there's one place that I would encourage someone to train at, it's, it's TriStar. Right. And, you know, there are a lot of great gyms. Like I know that you've trained as, as, as some, some really great gyms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, but when looking at uh, some things with St. Pierre, like he's a really normal guy, which is mm-hmm. interesting for someone of his profile because he's obviously one of the biggest of all time, you know, but oh, like yeah. his, uh, one of his training partners, Carl Massaro, one of his longtime training partners. Do, do, you, do, you, do you know Carl? Uh, I don't think I do. No. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a super nice guy. I mean, yeah. I've only talked to him on the phone, but right. um, he said how, you know, George still goes into Henzo's and, tra- and goes in the normal locker room and, uh, you know, acts like a normal person, trains with regular people. And when I heard that, I thought, wow, that's really nice of him. You know, like it's mm-hmm. a, a very generous thing of him to do that. But when I talked to George about it, Yes, George is a very nice person, but it's, there's also strategy behind it because he said how, you know, you can learn from anybody. If you train with someone who's better at jujitsu than you, you work on your defense. If you train with someone who isn't as good as you, you work on your offense. You train with someone who is as good as you, you work on a couple different things. So, you know, you can learn from anybody. And I find that to be, you know, yes, it's um, nice and generous, but it's also strategic. You know, it, like there's yeah. always something you know there's always a good reason behind it you know it's not just you know for the for the you know it's not just to be a good person but you know he is a good person obviously right. and basically everyone that i've talked to like past opponents like carl parisian and pete spratt and, you know they all say how he's such a good person and they and they there are clips of them talking about that they and also go them, to train with him as well so and uh, they do, yeah. dan hardy for example spent and went up into the tri-star and I mean, they were former opponents. It just shows that uh, you see it a little bit now with, uh, who was it? Uh, Curtis Blades and Alistair Overeem, yeah. for example, and uh, Phil Davis and uh, Alexander Gustafson, you know, guys that they had this admiration for each other. They get together, and then they make each other better, but you'll never see it out of certain fighters um, yeah. because, like, Dom Cruz will never go to – team alpha male and be like guys this is what you guys need to work on when fighting me so right right well you know i mean you know and and that's totally understandable you know right you you can't you can't go making yourself vulnerable to your opponents right whereas i think you know with um you know overeem and blaze it it was it was over you know with Mm -hmm. party and st pierre it was over you know so like you know might as well you know bury the hatchet even though there wasn't probably animosity to begin with you know but you know these are also top fighters in the world you know mm-hmm. like you know they're good people but they still want to be the best they still right. want to win you know mm-hmm. but um because like curtis blades and alistair overing for example they're both on the path to fight for the title it's not like they're not in the same division that's true and uh i mean you see it with some other fighters that you question for example the bantam i think it's the bantamweight division they're riddled with people from uh, american top team and you go, oh, well, how are they all going to get the belt? What's going to happen with that, right? You're right. There's, I mean, like, there's only one belt, and you got a bunch right. of fighters, right? Well, that's kind of like what a, what, when, I, when I talked to Greg Jackson, mm-hmm. how uh, he recused himself from the Condit fight with, with St. Pierre oh, yeah. because, because he trained both of them, you know, and he has mm-hmm. great admiration for both of them. And, you know, 
I lo- and I love St. Pierre. I, I love, I love, I love Condit too. You know, yeah. I mean, I've never talked to, to Carlos, right. but uh, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a super great guy from, from what I've heard and from interviews I've seen. And uh, you know, I, I think, I think Jackson did the right thing by, by, by walking away for that fight, you know? And he's a, he's in a position where, for example, in Condit's corner, I think that uh, six guns Gibson is more, you know, more his wingman for the coaching yeah. where it for didn't, sure. It wasn't such an issue if Greg Jackson was like, uh, it's a little bit too muddy for me for me to step in and pick a side. And then yeah. obviously, you know, GSP, he's got Frost. So right. he's, he's fortunate in the fact that he can go to different gyms, learn different things. And at the end of the day, he doesn't have to rely on the coaches there. He's got right. home base. Right. You know, and uh, just like you said, like, I don't think Jackson was was the number one point man for either of those guys. Right. But he was probably, you know, well enough involved to mm-hmm. where, you know, it could be thought that, that, that he's given trade secrets to somebody and just, you know, didn't want to be involved in it, you know, which yeah. is probably the right thing on his part. You know, even and Greg Jackson's a super nice guy. When I talked mm-hmm. to him on the phone, really good guy, very forthcoming with information. Yeah. A lot of great stuff on George and um, just an overall good guy, you know, and, and we know. You know, anyone who follows the sport knows that he's one of the best in the world at what he does. He, he, for us, um, I'm, I'm not thinking of anyone right now, but uh, the, at least those two for right now, they're, they're pioneers in MMA coaching. Uh, Mike Brown, he's one where they, they just have the overall tactician mindset. Mm-hmm. And then you have lieutenants that work on other things. Yeah. Um, and work on the specificity of like striking or grappling. Um, so when you have something like that, it changes the game. And one of the situations was watching John Jones, for example, fighting against Dominic Reyes in this last, in this last fight, Dom comes out and says that line, he's never fought an athlete like me. And he's saying it as he's doing like the Peloton in the living room. Yeah. And then John's got like a coaches meeting in Greg Jackson's office where, you know, Gibson's all in the suit and tie and they're doing like uh they're doing yeah, the almost, war room. Yeah, exactly. It, but it's yeah. like a it's set up like a NFL, you know, coaches lock or coaches room. You're setting up schedules, you're doing everything. It's professional. It's a sport. And I think that's where John and Greg Jackson have really and I think it comes with the help of having two brothers that are in the NFL and he can see what they do, but it takes the professional sport aspect of it and they took it to another level where it's not guys just in sweatsuits running outside going, oh, I'm going to be the next champion. It's more than that. It's a, it's a international multi-million viewed person sport. It wants yeah. to be contended with the NFL and everything. Well, here you go. That's how you take it to that next level. Right. And, uh, you know, when I was going through and rewatching some of those old St. Pierre fights, I mean, I, I, I saw all of them when they happened, you know, mm-hmm. 10, 15 years ago. But when I was rewatching them just to, you know, make sure that I had everything right. Cause you know, it was so long ago, you can see some of the, you know, uh, conversations in the corners. And I don't want to say anything about by any of his opponents because they all have great, great cornermen. Right. But, but you see them talking across the, the cage and then you see, you know, Jackson and Faraz and Danaher talking to St. Pierre. It's just like another level. It feels mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, these are like, you know, scientific minds. These are like, you know, the smartest people in the world who happen to be interested in fighting. Right. And, uh, you know, but, the, but there, but there are a lot of great, great corner men, uh, that, you know, f- f- from opponents you face, like another person I talked to 
was Bob Cook, a brilliant, mm -hmm. brilliant fighting mind. And uh, he talked about something with George that was very interesting and how George is different than many other fighters because George trains even when he doesn't have a fight coming up. He's mm -hmm. always training. It's just training is just his way of life. He's a martial mm -hmm. artist in the purest sense. And he said how that's not really the case for a lot of professional fighters. They'll fight, they'll take time off, and they'll come back when it's time to train. And they'll, they'll train here and there, but, but they get you know more intense about it during fight camp. And I'm sure George gets more intense during his fight camp, but he doesn't really take that time off. You know, and and I, right. I've heard Faraz say in interviews how um, after a fight, he'll, you know, say, you know, a guy will, one of his guys will take about two weeks off and then they're back at it. You know, they're back in there working on stuff. And, you know, it's a, it's a constant process. It's a way of life. It's not just, you know, going in for, for, for seven, eight weeks, you know, two or three times a year. Right. It's yeah. A, I it's mean, an ongoing thing with, with that, uh, you realize that not all fighters, their passion isn't fighting. A lot of right. fighters, their passion is something else. Gregor Gillespie loves fishing. There's certain right. fighters that they, they enjoy other things, and then fighting is just what they're good at. You know, Rumble Johnson has that one-touch knockout power. Of yeah. course he's great at fighting. Like, I would right. be too, but it doesn't mean it's something that you want to do. Even, you know, George doesn't like getting hit. and there's right. Even though you're a martial artist, there's certain people that just – have a disdain for fighting and then outside of it they want to do something completely different but if you have a passion for martial arts it's almost like a it's almost like having a doctorate and then fighting people with you know associates degrees because you're yeah. taking your you're taking your knowledge to like the next level and you're constantly learning and learning and learning and you go against someone and i think talking to sandro that's how george found that fighting was going to be his thing was he was this already well-rounded martial artist. And then these guys that were like, I'm going to fight, come into the gym and spar him. And he probably sits him down with like sidekicks. And, he, right. and then he's like, oh, this is fighting? And he's like, yeah. oh, I can do this every day. Right. And, and, and it kind of goes back to, you know, the difference between a fighter and a martial artist. You know, right. whereas like some people just want to go in there and, you know, scrap it up. Whereas mm -hmm. someone like George or, you know, Anderson or Mishida, these are people who are, you know, martial artists in the truest sense. Mm -hmm. They're they're training to train to become better, to learn, as opposed to just being able to beat somebody up in a few weeks. Right. Whereas, you know, some people are just and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong mm -hmm. with, you know, not being that type of, you know, mixed martial artist. But it does kind of take that athlete to another level when their motivation is just to become better as opposed to, you know, getting that W. You know, because the W comes with it. You know, the, the, right. the, the, the W is a byproduct of that mentality of that, you know, mm -hmm. of that persistent, you know, desire to train, you know, just to become yeah. better. Absolutely. And uh, there's, when it comes to the sport, you know, the criticism with George is not all of his fights are exciting, but George found, finds a way to win. So you can say what you want, but he, at the moment and having the IQ, fight IQ that he does, he can go in there. I mean, even, and sometimes he does pull up a finish with Michael Bisbing, the right shot lands at the right time. But to say that he doesn't go in there and swing leather because he doesn't have the ability to right. is ridiculous. He can do that. It's just that he realizes that legacy and that's why we're talking about him. That's why you're doing documentaries about him and you're not doing documentaries about the guy that's like swing leather till the day I die. Right. There's not a lot of guys that can keep that mentality 
and be undefeated and be, you know, considered the GOAT. So Yeah, no, like I totally agree. And I mean, also something to consider is that, you know, we seem to take for granted that these are all championship fights. Like these mm-hmm. are the best fighters in the world that they're exactly. fighting. You know, mm-hmm. th- these aren't, you know, second or third card on a, on a, on a UFC card or second, mm-hmm. third fight in a UFC card. These are mm-hmm. the headlining fights. They're mm-hmm. all headlining fights. Same thing with Jones. You know, Jones has taken that criticism mm-hmm. in recent years for absolutely for not finishing fights. There are people who say he lost that Reyes fight. People who mm-hmm. people say he lost the Santos fight. Mm-hmm. There are people who say he lost his last two fights. Personally, I, I think he won both those fights, yeah. but that's just my opinion. It doesn't matter what my opinion is, really. <laughs> you know? I mean, no one's asking. Right. But, you know, something about being a dominant world champion is figuring out your way to win. And if that means taking that decision, then, mm-hmm. then, then, then you're taking it. But something else is, I think that a lot of it comes down to, do they get the opportunity to have that opening? You know, are are they presented with the opening to win? Mm-hmm. Has has Jones been presented with that? Up, you know, to me, there's a difference between not pulling the trigger and not mm-hmm. having the opportunity. Did right. Jones have an opportunity to finish Reyes? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Did, did did he have an opportunity to finish Santos? I don't think so either. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can't hold that against Jones. It just means those guys are good. You know, mm-hmm. those guys are really good. Did, did did he have an opportunity to finish Smith? Maybe. Um, I think I think Smith was a decision as well. I, I don't I don't think he finished Anthony Smith. I'm pretty sure that no, was a decision too. But Anthony Smith also had the decision if he wanted to to win that fight due to an illegal blow. So you know, right. you, you signed him for that. Yeah, you sign contracts in the middle of combat that are unspoken to everyone in the audience. But you know, John realizes that this guy, as much as he's gotten hurt, there's no reason to be like, well, I got him with an illegal shot, so now it's time to pour it on him. Yeah, yeah, and time to, yeah. No, you know, and like, you know, there might've been a little bit of that too, you know, right. um, like I remember Brendan, I can't, I never get his name right. Brent, Brendan Fitzpatrick, the, the commentator. Oh yeah. I think it was the name. Fitzgerald Fitzpatrick. I always get it wrong. I think it's Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. But um, he said how during one of those fights, maybe last year or so that sometimes fighters have this like unwritten rule or unwritten agreement where, you know, I'm winning in the third round. I'm going to coast to this decision. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't try to finish me. I don't try to finish you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're just going to, you know, ride this out. And, uh, you know, I don't think that really happens at that level with, uh, you know, St. Pierre and Jones and those guys. I, I don't I don't think they, they have that uh, mentality at all. Chael but, said that Chael broke it into two fighters. He's like, you have people that finish fights, like the first round fighters, and then you have three round fighters. Ones that go in there, they put it on for three rounds, they get that decision, but the the sneaky trick about knockout punches or knockout shots or whatever is like, you have to be in a position yourself to be knocked out. So it's not that you're not pulling the trigger. It's just that if I can hurt you with, you know, good tight shots and maybe I don't, you know, knock you down clean with a big, nice haymaker or something or just a wild kick. And I can just do that for three rounds. Awesome. Money in my pocket. And yeah. yeah, so you just got to pick the fights that favor you so heavily where maybe you're a black belt in jujitsu and they're a white belt and you go, okay, I'm going to take them down for Bree Silver Doom versus Walt Harris style. Take your yeah. back. Ooh, choke. No, just kidding. Arm bar, 30 seconds. Clean. Awesome. On yeah. to the next. 
Yeah, you know, and I mean, like, you know, th- there aren't there aren't many people around who can who can do do it for Doom does on right. on, on the ground, obviously. Right. Exactly. You know, you know I mean, he's really a, you know, like a virtuoso in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the thing is, with someone like George, he just seemed so far ahead of everybody else of his time. Mm-hmm. And as great as all his opponents were, you know, like people forget how good Josh Kostick was. I mean, that yeah. guy was a four-time All-American wrestler in college. Mm-hmm. And he was a great striker, you know. I mean, not not a, you know, not a top level, but, but you know, but, but he had, you know, hard shots. You know, he had dynamite in his yeah. hands. And, I mean, St. Pierre just, you know, ran right through him two times, you know. And people yeah. forget, you know, how good that guy was, you know. Regardless of what you think of him, you know, as far as being a pest or a heel, he played that part really well. Yeah. But, you know... I mean, I mean, he knocked out Hughes. He beat up a lot of people, and he was a great, great wrestler. Mm-hmm. But you know, Saint Pierre broke his orbital in like the first round. Yeah, and no, then, I was gonna say he just jabbed him and broke yeah. his orbital. And for a guy that was, you know, high level wrestling as he was, GSP didn't allow him to get his game plan off, and no. he just, I mean, to shut a guy down who. Yeah, it would be nice to Dan Henderson, Michael Bisbing, your opponent after months and months or however long, weeks and weeks of trash talking in the house. Yeah. But to be able to go out there in front of millions of people and go, eat my left hand, eat my left hand, and you have to go get surgery after. I always argued that as like one of the rulings when it comes to judging is like, who has the higher hospital bill at the end should be the loser. <laughs> Because you know, well, like in that case, you, you know, you know, you know, like in that case, Saint Pierre would have lost that first fight to Penn, you know. Right, uh, but you know, came back. You know, he comes yeah. back just like in every. He did. Time. He did. You know, but I mean, like I think Saint Pierre won that first fight against yeah. Penn. Like I thought, yeah. I, I thought, I thought he deserved it. You know, and that was yeah. really one, one of the gutsiest performances of his career. Absolutely. People who have not seen that fight don't really understand how much trouble he was in in the first round. Mm-hmm. I mean, he broke his nose, beat him all up in the first like two minutes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I remember when that fight happened. We're watching it with my friends, and I was a big St. Pierre fan, and I love Penn, and I, and I love BJ Penn too, but I was a big St. Pierre fan, but I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, there's no way he's going to win this fight, you know, then he, then he gutted it out, won the second and third rounds. I thought he won that fight for sure, Yeah. but, you know, a lot of people thought he lost, you know, because, you know, you go see him, you look at the, you know, the, their faces during the decision, St. Pierre's going to the hospital, and like, like Penn said, he went to the bar afterward. Penn didn't look like he even had a scratch on him. But I mean, there aren't many fights, and Penn's taken quite a few shots himself. Yeah. There, are, there aren't many fights when, where Penn looks all beaten up. Like, I don't know if this guy just doesn't bruise or what it is, but, uh, you know, when you go look at that second fight, um, Jackson, Greg Jackson, and Phil Nurse, and some other guys said how that was really like a celebration for, for St. Pierre because, you know, everything was, everything was clicking for him. Right. And, he used a little bit from all of his coaches, a little bit from all the different strategies he pulled in. It was just a perfect convergence of all his training and all his ideas and all his strategies. And it just, it just all came together for him in that second pen fight. And if, you know, if I were to put my finger on, you know, him at his best, it's hard to find somebody when they're at their best. Like, you know, when you put your finger on that fight, on, on a fight where you say, this is Fedor at his best, this is, you know, whoever at their best. I would say that that's, that was probably St. Pierre at his best in that, in that second pen fight. I'm trying to think of Fedor at his best. One would be Fedor at his best. I don't know. I would probably say maybe the third Noguera fight. Yeah. Probably. 
Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say with him. I mean, you you could easily say the the Crow Cop fight, you know, too. But I really think 2004, I mean, is just so far ahead of everybody else, you know. And I mean, Noguera, people forget how good Noguera was. I mean, if, if Fedor didn't, if Fedor never existed, mm-hmm. we'd probably have Noguera on that short list of greatest all time yeah. guys. It's That's just true. he was second. He, he was second fiddle to Fedor. You know, I mean, yeah. Noguera beat all those guys except for Fedor. You know, he beat everybody basically of his era except for Fedor. Yeah, he came back in, in, the, in the UFC. He, I don't think he was really himself. You know, he took a lot of punishment and pride against Fedor, against Krokop, against Bob Sapp. I mean, the Bob Sapp fight was ridiculous. Yeah, the but, shame with those pride fighters is once the UFC took off, those guys were, from the damage they already took from yeah. pride, you know, soccer kicks and knees to the head. And then on top of that, you have Mirko Krokop at every corner throwing his left leg cemetery, right leg hospital, sure. you know. Oh, it, yeah. So you go into the UFC, and then you have people that are fairly new. And, uh, yeah, it, it's a shame that – because for me, I was – I had to go back and watch Pride. So when I watched Pride, I was like, oh, this makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Why people get hype when you see Vandalay in the cage or when you see some of these fighters in the cage. You go, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, so when it comes to yeah, the someone's best, it is hard to pick out that. Um, I was gonna say for GSP, his I feel like you were gonna say the second pen fight. I would say that'd be my guess, or maybe even the second Kostrick fight. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Right around that time, whenever that was, maybe oh nine roughly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I, I don't know I don't know the dates in front of me. I don't have the dates in front of me, but. I would say right around that time, that four or five fight, you know, area mm-hmm. there when he fought Penn and Shields was another one. Shields, people forget how good Jake Shields was. I was going to say was, the Shields fight was going to be my pick because of yeah. the level of grappling Jake Shields had and then like the, the scrap pack mentality, you know. Uh, amazing. I mean, Shields, I mean, in my opinion, Shields, Shields was the best of that group in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. as, and all those great fighters. I mean, Melendez... Diaz right. brothers. Right. Um, well, that's what I mean. I think David it's like Terrell. what why that defined me as like his best moment is because GSP stopped. I think the guy with the most, like if it, if GSP legitimately wasn't there, I think Jake would have been welterweight champ. The guy, yeah, yeah. I think so, so too. I think while everyone else in that time, there was always someone else. Maybe you could, but I think Jake was so good that if it wasn't for GSP, just like. If it wasn't for John Jones, DC would be all we would talk about. You'd Definitely. be everyone's hero, right? Yeah, so. yeah, and 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 same thing. Like I said, with a Fedor and Nogueira, you know, like mm-hmm. if it wasn't for Fedor, yeah, it'd be Nogueira, exactly. you know. Exactly. But um, uh, but Shields, you know, Shields took and and a and a. I talked to Shields twice. I talked to Shields about Henderson and Saint Pierre. And Shields is a super good guy, really mm-hmm. nice guy, very humble guy. But I I think he's underrated historically, whereas yeah. he's underappreciated at least where mm-hmm. you know he took those two big right hands from henderson and he came back and won that fight and he i mean he dominated henderson you know mm-hmm. and i love dan henderson i know i know he's very well liked i love the guy i mean one of my favorites of all time but i mean shields was really incredible in that fight and um but you know he he just couldn't get off against saint pierre he, he, he just yeah. couldn't get couldn't get it where he wanted you know and um they shut him down. It's one of shut those him down, things. You know, I mean, he, yeah. I mean he, 
He kept it standing up. He, he did not want to go to the ground with shields. One of the only guys that he did not did, wouldn't go to the ground with at all. You know, the second Kashuk fight, I think he uh, really, you know, the first fight he dominated Kashuk on the ground. Second fight, he wanted to keep it standing and just beat him up. You know, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, it's we we say these things like they're so you know obvious, whatever. But we forget that we're talking about Saint Pierre, who is like really one of the best of all time. You know. Whenever he would uh, show things, my mind would go, he's showing things that he did in front of millions of people. And then on top of like thousands of hundreds or tens of thousands of people live on on this guy's best day that they spent all their life for this moment. And he did that multiple times and shut down multiple people's dreams, like in front of millions of people. So it's like when I'm learning from him, I go, yeah, this probably works. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, also, in uh, Saint Pierre says something really interesting in that, um, and this and this kind of gives you the the mentality behind him that it's not the best fighter who wins; it's the fighter who fights the best that night. Yeah. And and you could be, and it's not like, um, you know, you're not you're not fighting ten times. You know, if you fight best out of ten, or you know, if you fight ten times, you might not win most of those fights. But you only right. fight once. It's mm-hmm. that moment, that night, that fight. When, when the lights come on, and I, I think he said, you know, like, like some people are good in the gym or they're bullies in the gym. But when the lights come on, are you going to do what you need to do? Yeah. And, um, and, he, and he's been very modest about saying how he is afraid before fights. Yeah. He's scared of being humiliated in front of everyone he knows. And, excuse me, Greg Jackson said how he really admired that about George, his humility. And he knew that, St. Pierre, it, he got nerves, or he, he got nervous. He had nerves that were stronger than most other people that he'd worked with. And, yeah. and he still, he rose up to the occasion and he dominated these people, which, you know, it's just a testament to his character, a testament to who he is as a person. We can talk about all the wins and everything else, but there are things like that, those, those little subtle things about him that you find in true fan that you may not find in other sources. And I think that... It also is a testament to he's a I mean, he's a warrior essentially he's a fighter right he he's the epitome of masculine energy, but yet yeah. he is one of those people that are so willing to sit down and just be vulnerable and he's so comfortable with himself that it's it's not achilles you know kind of legend it's more the uh the guy the book of five rings you know it's more yeah. it's more philosophical than that it, it there's more to it than just uh he's a guy that fought in front of millions of people and is a um and is a cage fighter and doing that i think opens up areas for other people to get into the sport and i that's a reason why he's a pioneer it's a sport for the intellectual as well it's not a sport for just people that want to see in the words of john mccain human cockfighting yeah. right it, 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 you need people like that to come into the sport and go, guys, 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 listen, there's more to it. Dominic Cruz fighting this weekend. You know, I, I downloaded his footwork DVD as like really first thing and he breaks it down and he's just like, and you go, Oh, this is a guy once again, that has a PhD in the sport. That's, he talks about it and you go, that makes sense. And yeah, 
I watched the video and I shared it to a bunch of my friends. It's him being a dick for five minutes or whatever. And at the very end, TJ's like, I, I want to stand up and be like a role model and not say those mean things. And Dom rolls his eyes. He goes, I'm sorry that we're fighting. And he's not doing very nice things to me in there. And I'm not doing very nice things to him in there. Sorry for my mean words. It's a guy that can step away from, oh, this is this like certain rhetoric that you have to put in front of people like i'm a professional athlete so i have to be they step away from that and they can look at the sport for what it is they can be intellectual about it and it not have to be just another sport and that's why i'm a huge fan of this stuff it's not just the guy in a face mask that says the same thing the other guy on the team said um it's people with personalities and it's more than just brawn out there there's brain right and like something about the this this show that uh, i've really noticed is how some people are very different in real life than as they appear on tv and the Mm -hmm. real example that stands out for me is 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 vanderlei silva and people forget you know we talked before a little bit about you know silva and pride people forget how great he was in pride Mm -hmm. and you know we've We've seen him do his wrist thing and him, him, him looking like, you know, a savage killer. He really was that in pride, you know. But when you talk to him, of all the people that I've talked to, he is one of the nicest people who I've spoken with. And when you talk to people who know him, they all say the same thing. And uh, he said how when he was a child, he was, as he said, fat and he was bullied and he was poor and he didn't have the things he wanted to have and how this fierce mentality was like his way of changing his life and that it's not like a fake persona. It's not like he's, you know, Kobe Covington who by all accounts seems like a very different person in real life than he is when he's trying to promote himself. But you know, this was like a, like, like a switch turning on like an over the top when like Stallone turns his hat around, Mm -hmm. like he's just a different person. And um, you know, but, when we saw him in the UFC, a lot of people say, oh, well, he lost to this person. He lost to that person. You know, he got beat up by Chuck. People seem to forget that he was undefeated for, I think, over four years and won over 20 fights in a row, facing the best guys in the world, beating Jackson twice, facing, you know, beat Henderson, beat mm-hmm. a lot of those guys. He lost to Henderson later on. But something that was, that's worth noting is after the Jackson, after the second Jackson fight, which was on Halloween 04, I just know this because I did the I did the research, you know, uh, you know, six six eight months ago. But he he fought Jackson on Halloween of two thousand four, where he had the legendary knockout. We put Jackson through the ropes, you know, we all seen the picture. Mm-hmm. But but Jackson almost finished him in the first round. That was a really really good fight, and people forget how good of a fight it was because of the way it ended. But then two months later, he was supposed to fight Sakuraba on on New Year's Eve two thousand four, and Sakuraba, as great as he is, no one expected him to knock out Vandalay. So, you know, after getting beat up by Jackson a bit, it, it, it was surprising to see him take a fight two months later. To me, in hindsight, well, it's just crazy. Steep ADC. Yeah, right. No. Exactly. Right, exactly. You and fight in Ghana, you take a couple shots, and then your brain's like, all right, we need time. And then he's like, yeah, no time. Right, exactly. Exactly. Oh, so. And um, But then they changed the opponent from Sakuraba to Mark Hunt. Mm-hmm. So, so after the Jackson fight, he fights Hunt. And he, 
loses a split decision. I, I think he won that. Boss, Rutan, and Couture were in the booth. They both saw, thought Silva beat Hunt in that fight. Um, but then after that, he got knocked out by Krokop. Uh, not not right after, but later that year, or, mm-hmm. or in 05. He got knocked out by Krokop and then Henderson. So he took back-to-back brutal knockouts before that Liddell fight. So right. it gives you an idea of where he was. You know, He had a lot of miles on him. Something that we found out in our interviews on Silva was with Frank Trigg, who's a friend of Vandalay's, you know, Frank mm-hmm. Trigg, the former fighter, commentator, mm-hmm. referee, you know, hardcore fans know who he is. Um, he said how he was in the locker room before Silva fought Henderson in uh, Las Vegas at Pride 33, I think it was. And he said how, uh, how Silva was suffering brain trauma before that fight. Wow. This is what he said. Yeah. He said how when, when he was warming up, um, he was, Vanley was arguing with uh, Ujamar Federigo, who's the head of Chute Box, saying, you're not holding the pads right. Why are you doing it wrong? And Trigg said, this is his interpretation, that, you know, that he was suffering brain trauma because when you're suffering trauma, that your brain isn't clicking right, your body doesn't click right. It doesn't just, it doesn't work the way it should work. Mm-hmm. So that's why he wasn't really, you know, functioning the way that he should function. Then he goes oh. out there that night and gets brutally knocked out by Henderson. Mm. And, you know, he was probably never really the same after that. You know, he was probably never really the same as a fighter, I should say, after that. You know, then his next fight, guess what? That was, that was the Chuck Liddell fight. Yep. So, you know, there you go. So people can, people can make their own judgments on it, you know. And, and Liddell's a great fighter. Liddell is amazing. We know that, you know. Does that mean that Liddell is a historically better fighter than Manley Silva because he won that fight? No, no. I personally don't think so. Well, I then, think, yeah, then you're judging because then the like, then that's that's taking Chuck and going, okay, well, he's only as good as his last fight. Yeah, and that's then, not fair to him either. That's right? terribly and unfair to him. Terribly unfair, right? Ridiculously unfair, you know, because I do think Chuck's historically better than right. Tito for sure. Yeah, of course, definitely. I mean, the his the resume thing. Right, a lot of people don't want to take the time to look at people's resume in boxing. Uh, uh, Holyfield, for example, his resume doesn't ever get looked at, but no. his resume should speak for what he's done. Very right? underappreciated. Um, and the same thing, yeah, the same thing with a lot of these guys. They have these extensive resumes of people they fought. And another thing that, on top of the older fighters, that fighters and fans um, don't appreciate is the frequency that these fighters used to fight at in the past against the same people multiple times yeah. high level people all the time uh, at this pace with that most fighters can fight now take a break come back to fighting yeah and you know they've had 14 fights as a pro possibly maybe less right right and i mean a lot of these guys fight twice a year back mm-hmm. in the day they fought like every two months mm-hmm. you know and i mean like, just look at the Silva fight. I mean, he fought Jackson in Halloween. He fought Hunt exactly two months later. Yeah. I mean, that is insane by today's standards. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody's doing that today. Yes, Donald Cerrone is doing it sometimes. So I, I understand. And not really because the, the medical commission comes in. The, yeah. the state commission comes in, mostly gives people 90-day. I think it's for that reason. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's part of the. That's 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 like part of the the, the medical suspension you know right. reason because a lot of these guys fight because they want money you know mm-hmm. like a like a Tito said Tito told me that everyone fights for money mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't totally agree with that but you know but um you know but everyone needs to get paid you know mm-hmm. something about these guys 
um, later in their careers, like Coleman and Randleman, uh, Kevin Randleman especially, like he he lost like a lot of his you know final fights. I think he went like three and eight in his last fights or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, but a lot of these guys get they're great. They were great when they weren't getting paid as much. And then right. as the fight as the sport grew, they're getting paid more and more and more. And then they're basically just getting lured in with these big paychecks. And someone like Randleman, you know, he had to maintain. He had to maintain his lifestyle. He had to pay the bills. He had – you get set in this standard of living that you have to maintain. Nobody wants to become poor when they're old, you know. Nobody – you know, could you imagine being, like, at the end of your career and having less than you had five years earlier? I mean, in no other – profession does that really happen except for except for professional sports so you know some of these guys took fights they shouldn't have taken bj penn one of the great one of the great examples because he's getting lured in with this money the money the money and i don't know penn i've never talked to him personally i don't want to speak on his behalf but i have a feeling that that's what's going on with him is that he's getting offered too much money to turn him down and yes he wants to fight he likes to fight he wants to make it happen vanley silva still wants to fight I mean, he talked, he talked to me before about possibly coming back and I, and I hope he doesn't like, I don't want to see these guys get beaten up when they're 45, 50 years old, but you know, if that's what they decide to do, then I understand. But part of it comes down to money for these guys. And did you hear who they're throwing Vitor to? I saw that guy. I don't really know that guy. He, He looks like, you know, I showed my wife a picture of that guy. My wife thought that picture was Photoshopped. She thought it was fake. She thought, she, she, she thought the picture was fake. I'm like, I don't think it is. Like, this is like an official, you know, press release, you know? This isn't like just some meme, you know? But that I, guy looks like a, just like, he's going to like kill like everybody in front of him, he looks like. He has lost to, I think, to Ong Song Lee, who, Henry Hoof guy, um, heavyweight yeah, yeah. champ over there. So, and I mean, Vitor, I think works with Henry Hoof anyway. So if anything, they got a game plan for him. But still. Just like they did Dirty Sage Norcut, and I don't know who's their management teams. Yeah. But to have the, like, unless Vitor's back on TRT, which I hope he's back on. And I know. Is, is that terrible that, like, you know, I'm praying that he's, that he's using performance enhancing drugs? Well, it, well it's, it, for terrible? him, it's a, it's a health thing. I think for him, it is. for him, True. It, I agree with that. I don't, I think he should be on something like, if you want to fight people that are younger than you and, you know, and you've also exerted all your testosterone as a, as a young, as a young person fighting since you're 19 years old. Yeah. And I mean, earlier than that, cause he won the title at 19. Right. Right. So I, I think for a guy like that, you should be able to do that. That's why I'm a huge fan of Ryzen. You know, they should right. get more people because they're, they're just pride now. And they are. the Japanese they're pride light in a way, you know? yeah, they know how to deal with, the older fighters they know how to deal with it where they don't get just demolished in front of it. like one has legitimate contenders bellator they has do. legitimate contenders you need an organization where you do it you do it for the fun like why not there are people out there that you say not all fighters want to fight for money there are people that are going to want to fight when they're older to fight but they're not going to go in there and step in and fight a khabib because no it just it does nothing for them besides right. shorten their life. So I think you need a place like a, a Ryzen or something that just you give them the Vitor versus Vandalay fight. 
that right. you, know, you never got or whatever, or something along those lines where you just take those older fighters. Uh, you don't want to say like out to pasture because it's not that because I think they should be compensated on top of it. You know, yeah, you just sure. get, you, you have a shorter, you have a smaller roster and they get paid more. No. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I totally agree. And like, it's something I like with pride is how they would have fights where, you know, they, they would have non-title fights mm-hmm. where, you know, Vandalay would have this really hard fight, whoever that Super would be. Fights. Super fights. And, and, and then, then they would give him, but also give him this like can to beat up on, which mm-hmm. is great. Like, you know, like, I mean, this can wants to get in there and fight with the champion. It's a non-title fight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Vanley had, you know, quite a few wins like that where he'd go in there and just like massacre some, some popular Japanese guy. Yeah. But like, that's fun to watch too. You know, yeah. you can't, you know, UFC doesn't have fights like that, you know, like, and, and nor, nor should, nor should it, because if you want to be yeah. the NBA, or right. the NFL of the sports, then go for it. One, I think they should cut their rosters in half. If that you want to be good. that, if you want to be that high level, then you have only like top ten. That I mean, that's it. That's all you need. Right. Um, and then everyone else, there should be like a a smaller a smaller level league that you build up in, just like college, almost college ball or whatever it may be. Right. Because not everyone for not everyone needs to be in the top 20. Like you, yeah. you don't need all that. Well, I mean, like there's only, you know, there's only 20 spots, right? So right. I mean, you, can't, you can't, can't, can't have them all there. I mean, right. something right. about sure. pride is, um, you know, like the UFC is still growing, still trying to become, still trying to ascend mm-hmm. to mainstream popularity in the U S right. and you know, they're a whole lot further along than even they were five years ago, mm-hmm. but they're still not quite where they want to be. Right. Whereas Pride was there. Pride mm-hmm. was on cable TV in Japan. They were mm-hmm. on front page newspapers. They're on the front page of the newspaper in Japan. Right. They were one of the biggest things in Japan. So they had more leeway flexibility that the UFC has. Okay, um, Pride, Pride was able to put whatever they wanted out there. They, they mm-hmm. could take chances of bringing in Zulo or Giant Silva and have these freak show fights mm-hmm. because they sold and people... People want to see these guys get beaten up. So, you know, what's wrong with that? People want to see, you know, Dos Caras Jr. wearing his mask, getting his head kicked off by, you know, Crow Cop. Saw that it's, the other day. it's fun to these people. It's yeah. fun. And, I mean, I enjoyed it. But the UFC doesn't work like that because the minute the UFC does that, now they're taking – now they're going way back to, like, freak yeah. show fights. Back back when you have, like, you know, Gerard Godot versus, versus Taylor Tooley in UFC 1, where it's like, you know, these – these uh, spectacles as opposed to sport. Bellator kind of does it, but you need a... They do. They definitely yeah. thread it a little bit, you know, but... Um, you need to go all in if you're going to do it. Pride was all in on it, you know, yeah. and, and and people in newer fans today say, oh, they're all on steroids. They're all fighting these freak show fights. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, like, these okay. guys, I mean, these guys are great fighters, you know, and, 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 I dis- and, and I personally dismiss the notion that they're all on steroids. I don't yeah. believe that was the case. I believe that there were some some hmm. uh, substance abuse they all say that they're all fixed fights that's not true like are, are, do you mean to tell me that yuki kondo agreed to getting his face stomped in by vanley silva the way he did do you mean to tell me that half of these things they agreed to this stuff yeah. there's no way no way that they agreed to that stuff yeah so i mean were there some fixed fights i'm sure there were 
Coleman talked about the negotiations for the Takata fight. Mm -hmm. One of the only times he's ever talked to about it was with us. And in this episode, he talks about the negotiations. He talks about what they talked about before that fight. And people who know the sport know that that's really one of the main stories about fixed fights and pride Mm -hmm. was Coleman losing to Takata. That is fixed. It was fake. It was all made up. Coleman got paid to take a dive. That's the narrative around that. But Coleman sets the story straight in that. And, you know, he says exactly what they talked about, what he talked about, and what happened. So, but something with Pride is they had that flexibility where they could do whatever they wanted. You know, they, they, yeah. they, they're, they're selling out 100,000-seat stadiums, you know. Right. UFC, people don't understand how much bigger Pride was then than UFC still is today. As big as UFC is today, pay-per-view numbers are fantastic. Still not as big as Pride, like not even close as, as far as a national scale. Our, as a sport nationally, we don't recognize martial arts the same way as other countries no. do. So that's why one FC. If I was a young aspiring pro fighter, my goal would be getting to one. I I spoke to a lot of one fighters over when I was in Thailand because it's like right there as far as traveling yeah. for different fights. They can do it so easily, and they love it. They absolutely love it. The yeah. They've got the the water like for weight stuff on chat. I mean, on uh, to a science, so it's not hard. They feel they feel compensated. Um, they feel backed in a good way. One of one of the fighters shows the difference when he steps off the bus, like how the fans appreciate that. They feel like soccer stars. They don't feel like uh, you know, they walk into barbarians or not, or they just like walk into the MGM Grand and they walk by like. 20 people and they don't care who they are yeah, but yeah, when they, yeah. they walk off this bus and it's just like they and it's more they like him not because he said that one thing that one time you yeah. know they like him because of what they do in there because of their abilities and their skills rather than you know uh connor said who the fuck is that guy to that one fighter that one right. time he's hilarious like yeah it, yeah it's more than that we're more of like a pop, you know, more more of like a pop icon here in a way, you know. Right, and that's what Japan, Japan, I mean, the pride, pride's famous for their silent arenas in Saitama because they're, yeah. you know, they clap when things are good, but it's not like the the let, let them bleed fan, the you know that guy, yeah, that guy. Isn't you know? it funny that, that that guy does that once? He is just immortalized. I mean, he is like he is like. He's the, epi- the epitome of that, like, the M- idiotic M- fan, you know. But, you know, and like, I shouldn't say idiotic. That's, that's really unfair. But to, that, you know. To be fair, the I'm here. The bloodthirsty fan. I'm here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, we've had the Raleigh card and the Charlotte card. I didn't go to the Charlotte card because I was just like, I can pay the tickets to go sit in the nosebleeds, or I can just watch Cade's side. like the Because I, I wanted to, like, watch it for the fights. I love watching the fights the atmosphere that they can you know take it or keep it been once don't need you know don't need it multiple times so but what you do get and i for those cards specifically is i always listen to the crowd and it's like guys we can do better why why are you doing this well you know exactly like like i went to pride 32 Mm -hmm. which was the first pride show in the u.s it was when uh randomman fought shogun the Mm -hmm. fedor coleman fight but Pride is known for silent crowds, you know, like you said. And in the U.S., they were really trying. They were. And it was really quiet. And, I mean, I had been to a few UFC shows. I went to 
28 and 30 and 31. I think that those were the ones um, back in like 2001. Mm-hmm. But uh, to me personally, the, the the cage is not as spectator friendly Mm-mm, as no. as a ring because you can't you just can't see it as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, period. But um, with with uh, pride, I got down. I was up in the nosebleeds, but security was very lax, and my buddy and I snuck down, got pretty close. We were about maybe a hundred rows back, mm-hmm. and uh, the crowd was really quiet. And for the Fedor fight. Like I could hear Fedor hitting Coleman, like with thuds, like yeah, like I could hear it, and it just kind of makes you cringe, just like oh, like you just you know you just kind of feel it, you know what I mean? It's like it's like when you see something on TV and you're like oh, like it really was, but you know everyone could feel it, you know. You can't hear that stuff in the UFC because you got people like you know like you know like you know like the let them bleed guys, you know. But uh, you know, like I like I really wish that they would, but. It, it uh, you also go into a go ahead. You, I mean, you also just won't ever get it like you will in real life because you're watching like a fight in real life. So, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a fight. So when you watch it live, you're like, oh my god, are these guys gonna be okay? Whereas when you watch it on TV, you're just like, yeah, fuck them up because you yeah, just, whatever. Well, like, I also think you know, like I I think I think the Japanese see it more as like martial arts mm-hmm. than yeah. like than like a scrap. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, yeah. whereas 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 like in the U.S. it's like oh they're fighting like you know fuck that dude up yeah. you know whereas whereas like in uh, Pride they're they're focused on you know the martial art aspect yeah. of it so so they're watching it like it's art in a way mm-hmm. you know a, as opposed to like you know thirsty for blood like you have in you know the MGM brand usually you know well and it that, speaks that, that, that kind of dynamic it just speaks to their uh, what they fight on like they fight in a ring. So right. it's yeah, it, exactly. As it helps the audience. It helped, and then the fighters now have to worry about uh, another ass cage. To me, like I think it separates it from other sports, from other combat sports. Got it. But what it does to me is it just it kind of dirties the product in a way where well, for sure. Now, now, now takedowns can be stopped because your back gets put up against a bar wall. Like you're in a bar and someone tries to take you down and you start hitting them with like they do in the movies. Where in Pride, it's like you have to be very good at takedowns to be able to pick someone up, put them down, and not have them be like stop ropes. So you and and watching also the ring officials were way, 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 way more professional with like their fingers in the ropes there. Now with the UFC, it's like up to the ref and they're like, get your fingers out of the cage. And then they put them in yeah. like 10 seconds later. But no right. one's like sitting there like swatting it. Like there's no, they just did the, they did it for like a, like a martial arts sport, right? It was, uh, it just so happened to be like where you watch those Kyokushin fights in the do like in the, in the gymnasiums and they kick each other in the head. It's like one of those, but just so happens to have a huge production team and millions of people are watching. Like it, right. it, it was set that way rather than two guys literally in a cage. And I always thought this, you have to be, you're something here has to be turned something to step in a cage. They lock it. And then the rule is you can't leave until one of you two is unconscious or yeah. like concedes finished and you're locked in here. <laughs> Like yeah. there's no well, need for them to do that. That you can just right. be like, you guys are in here and you guys are fighting. 
and you guys yeah. are agreeing to, you know you guys one 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 person in one person out kind of mentality that's just a different mentality right yeah. and, and you know like uh <laughs> what was talking to john mccarthy about hoist gracie we're talking about ufc one mm-hmm. and how you know they're really going into the unknown then you know mm-hmm. this this really was sold like that like two guys go in one guy comes out mm-hmm. and people didn't really know like is this really going to happen like is this for real and um john said how and John didn't, didn't referee the first one. He started with UFC 2. Like, there was a different guy for the first one. But right. he was involved with UFC 1 because he, he knew Hoist and Horian, and he trained with Hoist before UFC 1. But, mm-hmm. um, but he said how backstage people were, like, um, pumping each other up, like, you the man, and the hitting mitts and getting pumped up. And then the first fight was Gerard Godot versus Taylor Tooley. And Godot kicked him in the face and knocked his tooth out in the crowd. And John said how backstage it just went like dead silent. Like people are like, oh, like, like, is this like, you know, this is for real. They all like puckered up, like, you know, like fun and games are over. Like you're going out there, you know, and you're getting your, you're getting your face beaten in by somebody. Probably, A lot of know? people back there never sparred before. And they were like, right. oh God. Yeah. Well, cause a lot of these guys have, you know, they show up with their, with their, with their black belt and they're, you know, they, you know, and they're wearing their dojo shirt and they see this promotion, you know, like I'm here to, I'm here nope. to, to I'm here to promote my my gym my my brand of fighting, you know. And no one's I, got a I, highlight reel made by some fan online, and a yeah, fight library no. of of stuff to watch. No, it's just guys that are like, I've done this before, and they're like, yeah. okay, you're in, let's do this. And he's yeah. like, okay. and they go in there just get freaking slaughtered, you know. And then, yeah, and then they get this small dude from Brazil, and they're like, oh, I got the right ticket. Oh, sweet, I'm gonna yeah, like look at that guy. You know, they're like up. high-fiving their buddy, and then they get choked yeah. out in like two minutes. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, what ninja? That, that's what happened though. If you go and look at Hoist's fights, I mean, he beat almost all those guys in, in in under five minutes. You know, he had a couple long ones. He had you know the Severn fight, the Shamrock fight. They went longer, but most of these guys. He beat within like two minutes, which is just, you know, ridiculous when you think about it. I, but, um, I, I was joking about with my, I was joking with my friend where MMA from then till now has become so universal where a warrior from the Spartan times could probably get kicked, his ass kicked by some dude at the bar that's like a super big Conor McGregor fan and just like practices being Conor McGregor in his, in his yeah. garage. Go something was, like, yeah. yeah, like then just goes in and like hits a heavy bag. You yeah, know, something, something it, I heard uh, Dan, Dan Carlin say. He does a historical podcast. I'm a big fan of his. Um, that's something that's interesting. I think when it comes to even today's martial arts, is the Spartans were thought to be the greatest warriors of the ancient world. Right? We, mm-hmm. We've all heard 300 right. all the stories. Right. But that's really only because the ancient world was mostly written by the Greeks. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. Greeks the only really knew themselves mm-hmm. and the Spartans. Yeah. So like they're the greatest of the ancient worlds of that little ancient world, area. Yeah. You know, that little area, you know, they didn't really know anybody else. You know, they focus on their little, you know, tiny piece of the world. And I think part of that kind of relates to martial arts today where newer fans see this person, I'm not going to say any names because I respect all these guys, but this person is way better than that person. Mm-hmm. They don't really know that other person. Right. Like they, know, they know this person. They have an emotional attachment to this person. They don't know how good this guy was 15 years ago other than seeing some highlight reels, you know, which everyone looks good in the highlight reel. I mean, you know, right. Right, everyone yeah. does. But, but they don't have a, a 
a large enough barometer or large enough uh, sample size to have a good barometer for it. They, they only have this little piece, whereas people who follow the sport for a long time have seen these guys and those guys. And, and I don't want to hear someone make the argument, oh, well, if they fought in today's game, they would get beat up. They have so much better today. That's true. You know, that's, that's true that, that, you know, fighting is better today than it was. But I'm talking about man versus man. I'm not talking about era versus era. Like, if, uh, if, you, a, if you take this guy, if you take Manley Silva in his prime, yeah. put him in today's technology, you know, today's science, he would be a different fighter than he was then. Same intensity, mm -hmm. but, you know, more skills, but more developed. You know, all these guys would be more developed. So we can't go off of, oh, well, you know, people today are better than they were back then. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. is, that is lazy, noob, casual talk, in my opinion. Because, I think well, you you're taking away – you're taking away from the grittiness that those guys had that's unattainable now. Like you can find some of those same guys, but they're very they're anomalies when it comes to their grit or they're considered you know mysterious Tony for example. Like there's just no one with that same kind of grit yeah. as him. But you saw that gr kind of grit more often in you know, the earlier UFCs in pride, you saw it all the time. Like it wasn't sure. an uncommon trait to have because like there wasn't, you couldn't develop enough skill and power to just overwhelm someone like you can now. You can get a former, you know, you can just get someone to have better, better skill, Damian Maya, and just take the back, choke them out. And you don't have to have the dynamic or that, that like hard nose. We don't really know anything, but we know this, we know like this much and we're all learning together and we just got to, you know, grind it out together. So you get the hard nosed Mark Coleman's, you know, inventor of ground and pound, a guy that he invented ground and pound. So he through doing it had to figure out how to punch someone in, on the ground properly. And yeah. so there's more of a, there was no like blueprint. They could just like learn the basics get out of a three round fight, be unscathed because the technique held, they knew what they had to do. And if they took an L, they take an L, but it's not the same as, you know, what it used to be where right. losses arguably were way, way more definitive to your career as far as like impacting, yeah, impacting your health. Now people are pretty adept at being able to defend themselves. Right. And you have to have a certain proficiency and most people know whether or not before they even become pro to at this point before pro is just pro. Like you just fought, did you fight for money? Yeah. I yeah. fought for money. I didn't fight right. in like a amateur league and then rolled up. No, you just, you got money. So now I'm a pro. Um, and I think that grittiness and that all comes from this grittiness and going back to what you said about fighters from all over the world. I don't think fighting or like wrestling bears as a young thing is something that just happened this generation. You know what I mean? So yeah, for, for example, sure. like Khabib, his family, his whole, that whole side of the world has a grittiness, has a up, yeah. upbringing that going back to what we were talking about in the very beginning, you have Dustin Poirier who spent countless months and hours working on becoming the best fighter in his age to go against arguably the best lightweight we've ever seen in Khabib for some. Um, and he got, he, I mean, the road that Dustin traveled, the people he's beaten, lost to, built himself back up, the, the hours in the gym to get better and become a well-rounded fighter, 
and then for the first thir- and then go into unknown territory in Saudi Arabia to yeah. fight this monster. And in the first 30 seconds, Khabib grabs his waist and you can see it on his face go. You know what? This is it. This is it. There's something about growing up in a world like Khabib's that you're missing from fighters now, especially from the United States, that yeah. you're missing, that, that you'll never that you'll never be able to see un- unless something, unless their life ends up, they have to start wrestling bears. But right. Khabib can step into that octagon every time, look at the guy and go, at least it's not a bear. I've got well, this. Well, that kind of reminds me of, you know, when, when we look at wars overseas, how, mm-hmm. you know, you know we, we have, you know, I think the best military in the world, of course, mm-hmm. you know, I have nothing but the most utmost admiration for our soldiers. My grandfather was a veteran. He was mm-hmm. a, you know, Purple Heart, Silver Star, Purple Heart, Bronze Star recipient in World War II. But when when we put these guys into the Middle East wars, we're in their homeland in these third world situations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would want to be there. I don't, I don't, I don't know anybody who, who wants to be living there in that situation, war zone, you know, uh, IEDs all over the mm-hmm. place. Whereas the people who live there, that's just their life. No, like, they don't get a choice. That's just their way of life. You know, they're mm-hmm. used to this. This is, this is just another day, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, my nightmare is their everyday reality. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same thing, whereas, like, you know, a lot of Americans, you can't prepare for that. You mm-hmm. can't prepare for being in that kind of situation day in and day out, you know? And it's kind of the same thing, like, like you're talking about, how, you know, fighters from, from these parts of the world who, who are from these impacted areas you know this is their way of life you know like you know like, like like he grew up wrestling bears like like you know these people grew up doing these unbelievable things that frankly americans just don't just don't do because they don't have to they're not exposed to these things so it's just a different kind of mentality yeah i mean cps would be on your ass if your kid was outside in the back yeah wrestling a bear you imagine you, you just couldn't do you'd be it. a viral sensation you'd yeah. be you'd be like you'd be like tiger king kind of thing you know yeah. i mean It'd be you just, ridiculous. You just couldn't do it. And the and I think with and we can start heading towards the talk for this weekend, especially with the main event. And you want to talk about gritty. I mean, the main event is literally the two of those guys that the epitome of that. Yeah. In, 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 like, epitome, in yeah. like a today's fighting, they are yeah. the epitome of that gritty nasty the gritty, nasty mm-hmm. form of fighting, you know, the cut you up walk you down kind of fighting yeah absolutely and i i think and i listen to i love listening to inside the octagon with dan hardy dan hardy is my like as far as like one of my breaking, favorites breaking things down um i'm always a huge fan let's see if i can go ahead and share this all right can you see i i can see yeah all right cool um i just bring up the card so that way we can there you go uh so yeah uh as far as listening to him the difference between their grittiness that i didn't even realize was how they behave when it's called upon them to become that gritty fighter like for example in justin gage you got hit with that right hand by michael or left hand by michael johnson uh tony ferguson when showtime dropped him justin gage he likes to do a chicken dance like he he ends up having to shell up recover and doesn't, I'm not saying he doesn't pose threat because that right hand is full of power. Tony, on the other hand, 
enters weird zone where as Anthony Pettis almost hits when Anthony Pitt, Anthony Pettis hits him, he also cuts him with the elbow and then he attacks a leg. Like he enters, he enters El Kukui zone and it, yeah. it, it's an offensive, you know, answer to being hurt. I don't know if it's necessarily better. I don't know if it's necessarily worse. It, being hurt isn't part of the game plan. So, I mean, unless you're Tony Ferguson, you can't really teach a seminar on it. So with, I, I think in a situation where Justin Gaethje is one of those guys where he might catch Tony, uh, I think if they, either of those guys catch each other, I don't think it's a guaranteed sudden victory for Justin, right? Because then no. he has to, yeah. So go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean, like, you know, this is, you know, this is the fight. I mean, it's, I mean, everyone wants to see Tony versus Khabib, obviously. But, right. it, but it, I mean, if you're going to get a second fight, th- this would be the fight, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how, how can't you love either of these guys? I mean, Gaethje is like almost like a modern-day Vandalay Silva where he's just in there for war. He's in there to scrap. He's in there to get nasty, make it ugly. And they have Tony who's just like so unpredictable so unorthodox you can't prepare for a guy like him at all so right. i mean how, how does this fight go i mean you know like you talked about gaethje's power gaethje could flatline anybody in the world i think at, mm-hmm. at 155 i mean he could legitimately knock out anybody in the world right um not a lot tony, of 55ers can do that no exactly tony i mean uh justin maybe connor i think that's about it as far as mm-hmm. one punch knockout mm-hmm. um but Personally, I, I just I just think Tony's too technical for him. So for um, me, I I think to say. with Tony, he's a true welterweight. People forget that he won the Ultimate Fighter as a welterweight, and his and what you and I noticed it in his last or his fight against Pettis, he's got huge hands. Like for yeah. a lightweight, he's he's enormous. Whereas Justin teeters on the maybe if he hired a nutritionist, he could probably go down to featherweight. I think he could, yeah. So it's one of those, uh, and right here they say five nine five nine. I don't think Tony's five nine, but the in, the reach advantage is crazy. It almost leads me to that Lando Venata fight, mm-hmm. where Justin, when he shells up drops his level he's going to be in the words of dan hardy he's going to be the shorter fighter because he shells up he gets low tony being longer and taller he likes that idea of when edson barbosa came in on him and tried to take him down got lower he shot for the darts justin's got amazing wrestling but i don't know if the submission i don't know if the time on the ground is the same spent that tony has no, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, Tony's one of the best ground fighters in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, you know, he tra- trains with Eddie Bravo. I mean, Eddie Bravo is about yeah. as good as it gets, you know. Exactly. Um, I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah. You know, I, I don't see how, how, how Justin can beat Tony other than knocking him out with his hands. Yeah. I think, I think Tony hurts him in the stand-up game. I think Justin takes him down. I think Tony beats him with a, with a cut off his back. Yeah. And to be and full disclosure, I think I think Tony beats Khabib as well. Yeah, um, off his back with his elbows with the cut. Hey, you wanna you want a fast, quick number of views on your on your channel? Put up a video about how Tony beats Khabib. Right, <laughs> and watch Seriously. all those Russian bots come after you. Oh, they will. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> they will though. They'll get you. You know. You can have. But one. I mean, you know, like I think, I think Tony wins that fight. Yeah. I think Tony finishes. I think Tony finishes it probably in the third round. We uh, just have uh, no. I'll say third round doctor stoppage. Yeah, I, I we just have no. I don't know how Khabib reacts when cut. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think Khabib, I don't think Khabib knows how Khabib reacts when he gets cut. Khabib has never really dealt with adversity in a fight exactly. in the UFC, at least. I mean, he's he's never gotten beaten up. He he's he's never been losing, you know. Mm-hmm. And w- when you look at someone like Jones, like Jones was losing that Reyes fight. He was losing. He was he was he was. I mean, he's been losing fights in the past. He was losing that Gustafson fight, you know. Jones had his arm hyperextended in the Vitor fight. Like found I found a way to win. Yeah, you know? there, there's multiple times where I, I think Khabib is one of those fighters. He may get injured outside of fighting, but when you go against a guy like Tony, like Justin said it, he's he's like, I yeah. hope Tony breaks my nose so I can get this thing fixed. Yeah, yeah. Fighters well, you know, have that's just it. Fighters have to prepare for Tony. Tony just has to go in there and fight. And I think that's yeah. what Justin's gonna have trouble with. I don't. I mean, Khabib holds that holds that same kind of the kind of uh, moniker where you kind of you have to you have to train for Khabib. Khabib doesn't have to train for anybody. He just has yeah. to be the best he is. Yeah. And I think uh, I just had this thought this morning. We're gonna look back at this time and realize how lucky we are as fans, and to see the evolution of the lightweight division where. It used to be BJ Penn, you know, two divi- one of the first guys to do the two-division world championship. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. was a lightweight fighter. Lightweight has always been historically the most talented division. We are living in a time where we have technically two champions. Now, they've never fought each other to declare who's the real champion. But in almost two separate timelines, we've got one guy defending one championship and is undefeated. And we've got a guy defending the other championship on the other hand, and he's undefeated. Right. I don't know if their paths will ever cross, but we're living in a time where we have technically two champions right. and they're, they're the opposites of each other in all ways. One is offense, yeah. offense, offense, uh, standing and off his back. The other one's offense, offense, offense on top and on the ground. You know, it's well, just, could, yeah. I mean, it could be, is definitely one of the greatest ground fighters we've ever seen. There's no question about that. Right. I mean, there's no question, you know, that he is the evolution of ground and pound, you mm-hmm. know. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, like we've talked about with, with Tony and Gaethje, we've seen both of these guys face adversity before. We've yeah. seen both of these guys yeah. get put back on their heels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other side of that is, well, you know, that's not Khabib's fault that, 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 that he's never been, you know, right, on, on right. the wrong end of it. I mean, that's because he's a great fighter. So yeah, exactly. There is, that argument is, is real. You mm-hmm. know, that, that's, you know, that's, that's a legitimate point. Mm-hmm. But how does Khabib react when he's losing, when yeah. he's cut and he's bleeding yeah. and he's getting beaten up and you know it's all falling apart? How mm-hmm. is he going to react? I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I mean, and it's totally unfair to say that he's going to fold. I don't no, know. No, it, it's not that. It's just that, that that's not fair to say about him because he's too good. He's he's he deserves more respect than that. It's not the folding thing. It's not the worry if he's going to continue fighting. It's just more. Does he it's make that, a mistake? Right. Does his mentality, like, for example, Kane, Verdum, you know, he just wasn't prepared and he made yeah. a mistake. I mean, it was third round. It wasn't like the right. fight was, I mean, he had a really good first round. Second round, Verdum adjusted and then Kane started to level off because of fighting in Mexico City. And then third round, he came up against some adversity, still was fighting. He just made 
a mistake that you just can against Purdue. No, and so yeah. it's the same you thing can't with make mistakes with Purdue. Same thing with uh, Khabib Tony in that situation gets cut. Maybe puts his head in a position that you can't with Tony Ferguson, i.e., Barbosa gets cut, makes this right. choke sink in easier. Well, so, I could see, I could see Tony winning the first fight. I mean, I think um, Eddie Bravo has. He's he sees something in, in in Khabib's game that he can exploit. Like they mm-hmm. they have they have a, a a card up their sleeve, and and I think the same thing with Saint Pierre. Mm-hmm. I think I think Faraz and Danaher see something that they can exploit in Khabib. That's why they want that fight so badly. I think and, for Danaher, it's the leg lock aspect, which is weird because Sambo is really good with leg. But I think it's just the thing with Khabib is he's very forward pressure. So with with uh. Uh, with Eddie, he sees the success that Tony had with Kevin Lee. Right. And that's a very heavy forward pressure on top style where, okay, that's fine. You can come into the guard, but you're going to eat all the elbows and everything. And yeah. then I think with, I think GSP is big enough to stop Khabib's takedowns in a way where I, I think so too. Yeah. It's not going to just be as easy as all the lightweights he's been you know, doing all that stuff. I think it's going to cause, it's going to, it's going to be easier to exhaust him out. Right. No, I totally agree with that. And, you know, you know, like I do think, um, Tony wins the first one, but I could see could be making the adjustment and coming back and winning the next two, mm-hmm. having to be like a trilogy like that. You know, my, yeah. uh, my, my co-creator, Rich Donahue, who, who I do true fan with, he's okay. the first one who, who said that to me. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, like I think, I think, Tony can surprise Khabib, but right. overall, like I do think Khabib's, you know, probably the overall better fighter. And I, and I, I think in, in three fights, I, I think Khabib wins, the, you know, like you said, three. with AKA, I mean, Bob Cook and um, Javier Mendez, Javier. they're brilliant. They're other brilliant minds as well. I mean, Bob Cook's got the Bob Cook special. About as good as it gets, those guys, yeah. you know, super cool guy too. Bob Cook's really good guy. Really nice. He's, guy. A, he's an unheralded. Um, oh, and that's another thing about uh, Justin Gaethje. He's got a, I mean, these are two, there are coaches out there that people don't know of um, that work a lot of magic behind the scenes. And Bob Cook's one of them. You hear his name all the time, but he's never crazy out. Bob Cook. Yeah. Yeah. You never, he's never out there. Like Javier yeah. more puts his face out for the gym. And then um, Trevor Whitman is another guy who Trevor is Trevor Whitman's very good corner of Justin who, you know, you see Justin's, you know, style of fighting and then you go, wow, what coach would ever, Whatever, think that's good. But then you look at Rose and you go, her striking's amazing. Same guy. It's Trevor Just, Whitman, yeah. There's Out of a, Colorado. He yeah. does a lot of work with a, with a Bang Ludwig. He's a, yeah. He's, yeah. He uh, works a lot with a Bang Muay Thai and Boss. Mm-hmm. And um, he's just a, he's got that understanding of striking and uh, MMA that yeah. it's an asset to have. And that's why, as far as this fight could go either way, having Trevor Whitman in your corner definitely is an asset. And it definitely helps, especially trying to figure out the craziness. Yeah, he's he's really really an outstanding coach. He mm-hmm. he he knows this stuff as well as anybody in the in the sport. But uh, so you, going on to who he has uh, Cejudo, Cejudo and Cruz. And Cruz. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm a little surprised to, to to see Cruz come back and take this fight. Um, you know, like I want I want last to see fight? him do well. His last fight, you think? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Uh, Winner loss. Thirty-five shows yeah. he's thirty-five. Yeah. I gotta believe if he if he wins, he wants to defend it once. You know, um, you know, like I think he wants to beat 
Garbrandt, like I think he wants to just, you know, settle that, that with him. Even even though Garbrandt's not next to the line, you know, it'd be, right. it'd be Jan or Sterling. And I think both Jan and Sterling beat both of these guys. Well, I think I think I think Jan beats both of these guys. I think Sterling like Jan's a freaking beast, isn't he? Man. No one wants anything from Jan. Nobody wants to fight that guy. No one Nobody. Wants Jan. I gotta I gotta give it to Faber though. You know, Faber got in there with him. Faber, you know, Faber, you know, he's a warrior. And you know the UFC wanted Faber to win so bad. Jan they Faber, they would have done anything. They would have done no. anything. Like I was surprised they didn't like poison Jan, you know. Jan I mean, they, they, they wanted Jan. Down. Oh my oh, god. Oh he did. I mean with, without throwing punches in the very first round for the first minute, just with just presence and being patient yeah. and just and you knew you're like, oh fuck. Like I love the, yeah. yeah. I love the California kid too. I, I love yeah, Faber. I, I love him. You know, why you gotta Great do him fighter. dirty like that. You gotta you know. He wanted it though. He you know, like he thought he was gonna beat Jan, you know? know. And like you know, like he thought he could beat Cejudo. So I mean, you know, but give him an Aldrain. Oh. You know, that should have been the Tell you, man, Sterling, you watch out for that guy. Right, right. But at least uh, you don't, like, there's a little bit of respect, I think, going in there, mm-hmm. whereas Peter Jan's got no respect for no, no one. No. You don't he's, wanna... I mean, he's just a brutalizer. Like, I love Jan, I love Sterling, I love both those guys. <laughs> yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I think Sterling beats Cejudo. I mean, like, I, I do. I mean, I guess I would like to see Cruz win this fight. I guess I would like to see Cruz win. I love Cruz. I've always liked Cruz. Cruz, I think, is, is very underappreciated. The guy is mm-hmm. twenty-two and two. I mean, yeah. you can make the argument that he's still the best bantamweight of all time. You can make mm-hmm. that argument right now. I mean, I, I mean, I think he is historically. Yeah. I, I don't think. I don't think Hudo's done enough to pass him. I don't think TJ's better. I don't think Garbrandt was better. No. I, he, I, even though, I mean, Garbrandt beat him, obviously. But um, and you I know, just, there was another one in there, and he doesn't even get mentioned because once again, Dominic Cruz, like. Barrow gets like he doesn't Barrow yeah like, like Cruz has Miguel Torres you yeah know, historically exactly. you know it, people don't even know who Miguel Torres is anymore right he was the know? very first small weight face like that di- and then the he first had, star uh, of that yeah. division you know and like Faber you know big star yeah Faber and uh but uh you know yeah, for me the, Cruz, Cruz has you know go ahead no I was just gonna say with the Henry Cejudo fight I saw Henry against Marais but as far as going against a true bantamweight, like I don't, he's five three. Like I don't, not to take away from his skill or anything like that, but and he looks like he's gotten bigger. I just don't see this fight going to a a way where Henry and Henry's very good at adapting, especially with the Marlin fight. Like the to see him make that championships adaptment adapting, but that's to a forward pressure, offensive, hard throwing. Muay Thai fighter, where in Cruz, you're going to adapt to years and years of footwork, advanced footwork development that he's created and perfected. And I just don't see how his shots are going to land. I, I feel like you had trouble with Demetrius Johnson. And that second Demetrius Johnson fight, I'm going to, uh, I think DJ won. I don't, me too. I, I just, so then you're going to go from a guy who technically perfect, like perfect in that way. And I know that MMA math doesn't work, but the struggle that DJ had with Cruz was a weight class issue. And I don't know if Henry, unless, and this is the only way I see Henry winning, he goes in there and then just does what Cody couldn't do and just floors Cruz. Because I don't see it any other way. You're going to wrestle him. Cruz is amazing in scrambling. And Henry hasn't shown me to be like a, 
world champ, like some world crazy ground and pound specialist. Like he doesn't show like he's got very good chain wrestling. I think that'll cause Cruz a little bit of trouble. The ability to maybe if he gets body lock and does the inside trip and all that, but the the scrambling that Cruz has, it kind of negates all that. And then yeah. the footwork. I don't know how you're just gonna overnight fly through that. It's so hard to say. I mean, I mean, I'm rooting for Cruz. I, yeah. want, I want I want Cruz to win, and I have nothing against Cejudo. You know, mm-hmm. like I loved. Like, I, I love seeing Cejudo beat up TJ. I loved it. I rooted for him. I wanted it to happen. It happens. You know, he, he saved that, you know, flyweight yeah, division. Yeah. You know, he really did. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I do think Cejudo takes him down and beats him up in this fight. Like, I just, I just don't see how, how he can stop him. I mean, but, you know, Cruz has, has the, he has the footwork. He has the scrambling. So hard to say, but, I mean, if I were to, if I had to pick one, if I had to pick who I who I think is going to win, I would have to say I, I, I think Cejudo wins it, and I think Jan comes in and, and takes him. I see that. That's where I felt when Cejudo beat Marlon. I was like, I'm never going to bet against this guy again. And I thought after I this, I like Marlon too. He's a good fighter. Yeah, I, I just thought, oh my god, Cejudo adapted so quickly. Like, I he's just never going to be the betting favorite for me. So then I thought he was going to fight. Who was next in line at first? He was going to fight. Jose, he was gonna fight Jose. I was like, I'll bet on Cejudo all day after. I know, yeah. But then, then he was gonna. Then he now he's fighting Cruz. I just think Cruz is so odd that be, it yeah. would, it's very hard off your first try to do something unless it's like a decisive. You know, he does something where like we've ne- and that means you're putting Cruz in a position we've never seen. And I know getting knocked down by Cody, but Cody never engaged in the ground. And I think that says something about Cody's ability to hold him down. And he was afraid that if he got entangled in that, he would have put himself in a wrestling position to get more. And that would have tired him out more. And I think that's a testament to how good Dom is in that situation. So unless Cejudo holds him down, like you said, just lays hands on him. And then you see Dom helpless, like, Bear on him, but it's hard to see that yeah, happening too. Exactly, it's, to, it's very you know, hard to see. And I, I it, seeing it in a decision, Dom is like the king of. I mean, decision, Dom. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, you know what we could see. Like if Dom wins this fight, we could we could see Cruz versus Aldo, which would be pretty amazing too. That would be the one thing we've never gotten. Like that would be the yeah the GSP of an Anderson Silva fight yeah, that we it, never. It got. is. It yeah. is. You know, but now you have Nagano versus Rosenstrike. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, my friends are all not about it because they, Derek Lewis and Ganu fight two heavy hitters. We're all I'm worried. a little on that. I'm a little bit there, too. It's hard to say. To me, I, you know, Rosenstrike, to me, in that Overeem fight, just didn't do anything until the last 30 seconds. Yeah. So, like, you know, yes, he's great. He's, what, 10-0? Sure. Yeah. He's getting knocked out first round. Yeah, you think? He's getting, he's getting flatlined. So I, I mean, like Nagano wants this championship fight. He yeah. wants Stipe to beat Cormier again. He wants to. He wants that rematch with Stipe. I think he's in a flatline Rosenstrike first. I think round. this is Nagano's perfect time. He needs to it. go in there and double leg blast Rosenstrike, and then just ground and pound him, and then show that his wrestling's gotten way better. And then everyone and goes, he, "Oh, he's more than just you know the he guy." He could do that too. 
Yeah, he could do that. You know, I think I think we get I think we get that in Ghana. I think we get that would uh, be interesting. I would love to see that. You know, you know, I I saw this video of him like breaking boulders with Mm -hmm. this, you know, chisel. Did you see this video where he's like he's breaking these boulders? You see how freaking huge his arms are. Yeah, he's. I mean, he picked up Shaq, no problem. Yeah, you see that? It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe him, him him picking up Shaq. I couldn't believe he was doing. Um, you know, when everyone was doing like the uh, Instagram workouts, he was uh, doing the the uh, the uh, slap uh, push-ups where he was like, was like smacking his hands. He did like twenty of them in a row, like no problem, like boom, boom, boom. You know, and yeah, well, there it is. It's the it's the just like with just like with uh, Matt. Matt Hughes, he had that farmer strength, right? And yeah. Ganu's got more than farmer strength. He's he got does. whatever the the work that he was doing yeah, back home. Power. Yeah. The, it, so if he can translate to that into taking someone down, and we've seen him with submissions, like he. Uh, I mean, look at him right there. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a freaking monster. Yeah, look at that guy. That's you a human fight being. That guy. It's a human being. I mean, the guy was like a freaking freak of nature. He like drinks milk like us um uh and it's the same thing with yoel romero when you see that dude and he was yeah. doing the, the two sludge hammer on the on the tire thing yeah i was like man that guy needs sleep like me um yeah he's oh, crazy those aren't humans and then i uh, have jeremy and calvin this so is I, the banger i think oh. i think this is the fight of the night this might be a fight i mean i who knows you can't, you can't say fight of the years obviously but i i think i think this is fight of the night right here this I think is calvin. it I think I think this is if Calvin can get on or this is the this is this is the showdown of fast starter versus slow starter yeah. and who can who can make the adjustment in this fight because Jeremy Stevens like Jose Aldo got him with clean boxing to the body and Calvin has unbelievably good boxing. I mean if yeah. if Jose Aldo can find the sweet spot, I think Calvin can. But Calvin takes two rounds to get started. Around, so it, it's up. To, it's and, hard to say. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is a banger, man. This is this is gonna be a good one right here. This is, and then Jeremy is just, you know, Jeremy's the little heathen Stevens. Like he'll he'll knock you out from both sides. He's been in the sport for so long. Uh, it, if it's if you want to talk about elusive, like his training partner is the most elusive in the game with Dom. Like I think. And that's the one thing with Dom and all these other Vanaweights. It's like, I mean, you think you guys hit hard. My training partner on a daily basis, right? You know, sent RDA to another dimension, right? You know, it's, it's so hard to say this one. I mean, I'm going to go with Calvin in this one because same. I just, I just think he has more ways to win. I think he is better at at where they are better. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm, I'm going with Calvin on that one. He's definitely the new crop for that featherweight yeah. uh, division. Uh, I also enjoy the fact that his coach is Mark Delagrati, who is yeah, uh, yeah. one of the very, very good coach. Yeah. This fight. I don't even know what to think about this fight. I don't know. When Jorgen de, Jorgen de Castro, that, I, mean, I mean, I can only go off that one knockout that he had against, uh, what's his name? The, the Mark Hunt, the like Mark Hunt Jr. Um, two, two of Asa. No, it's a. Uh, I don't think he fought two of us. Did he? No, no, he fought. It's what was his name? Uh, J- Taffa. Oh, He's Taffa, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just he, I mean, Taffa ran in there and didn't 
set it up with the hands and he just got floored. So, I mean, heavyweights are just one of those things. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, I mean, anybody can get knocked out by a heavyweight, but I mean, I don't even know. I mean, you know, people can say what they want about Greg Hardy, but that guy might be a good fighter. You yeah. Know, you, you might need to watch out for that guy. Like my, yeah. uh, my co-host Rich Donahue hates that guy because of what he did in the NFL. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, have him come over for dinner here. Right. You know, the guy's a good fighter. I mean, I shouldn't say he is. He, 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 he might be a legitimate threat in that division. Like, don't be surprised if you see him fighting, headlining a card against a legitimately good fighter soon because but the, I guy's, the guy's a former professional football player. Yeah, he has that, yeah, freakish, exactly. there you that go. freakish ability. He was a good player. Yeah. He's not just some scrub. He was a good player in the NFL. He so, you know he doesn't he might, have to, he might have the tools. He might. He's got fundamentals and athleticism that most people don't have. Yeah. So just like the overall footwork, like you want to teach him boxing footwork, he'll pick up beginner boxing footwork in 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 like thirty minutes. Yeah. Like he, he also. Yeah. Go ahead. I'll say he also has a really strong work ethic. Like yeah, you you, you don't become a professional yeah. defensive uh, end. I think I'm pretty sure he's an end, a defensive mm-hmm. end. By you know being a you know having a normal you know work ethic, I mean like this guy is a freaking beast. I mean, I, I mean, he's not he's not the most you know, not he's, he's not not the most decent person in the world here. I uh, I did an episode of when John Jones was arrested recently. It's like John Jones is the best at beating people up, and that's what Greg Hardy's trying to be. He's trying to be the best at beating people up. He's not. Yeah, I'm not looking for him to be a role model. Like he, right. Beats people up for a job. He's not trying to be a babysitter here. You know, yeah. he beats people up. You yeah. know, I mean, like he's not, a, he's, he's, he's probably, who knows, you know, I mean, every, yeah. everyone deserves redemption in their life. Right. You know, I mean, you know, I'm, I mean, I mean, I I'm made not mistakes. the voice I, of it though. I've, so I'm not going to weigh in. Right. I've <laughs> never done what, what he's done, yeah. but I mean, I'm not perfect. You know, I deserve redemption in my life. So does he, so does everyone. So, right. I mean, know, I'm just, I, I'm here to watch, you know, I mean, like I might right. even root for him someday, but I'm not going to root for him quite yet. I'm not, right. I'm not, not there yet. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's how I feel. I mean, I'm still on the. I'm still on the Derek Lewis train of it. Like, it, you see the pictures of you know what allegedly happened, and then you're you're like, yeah, man, he gets more of the Floyd nod to the to the fans of why they want to see him fight rather than he does. You know the the people's champ Muhammad Ali want to why people want to watch him. So yeah, for sure. I mean, then shut the haters up. He keeps doing it. So I mean, he right. Uh, uh, Volkov showed the disparity, this disparity in like their level, but it wasn't crazy. It wasn't like a, it showed that he could stand in there. It wasn't like right. he was finished in thirty seconds. Right. But so you have this so you fight. See so Pettis and, and Soroni. Yeah. This this is going to headline your 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 prelims, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. This is a good fight, you know. I mean, both of these guys need to win. To be honest, I think I think both of them should retire. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> but they're not or, going to or do this stuff. And I, this is what I, I appreciate. Do this. Just, you know, yes. fight people who are older, fight people who are, you know, like these guys should not go fighting young bucks because no. they're going to get massacred at this point. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, Anthony Pettis versus Jose Aldo. We never got that fight. No, book make it, now. it happen. Yeah. yeah. Make, uh, it's you know, just like there's have him go down, you know, have him meet it, have him meet it at lightweight, make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, Cerrone, hey, I love Donald Cerrone. I want Donald Cerrone to retire because yeah. I don't want to see him get beat up. He wants to fight three times next week. Like, 
I don't know. I don't, I don't know what, the, what do you say to that? He's the anomaly of a guy who just doesn't care about fighting, but like loves fighting. Where like you could ask him anything about who's in the top ten of welterweight, he'd be like, I don't know. But yeah, like, he, he loves care. fighting. So it's it's one of those guys where is he's different whereas Anthony Pettis fought an up and comer in Diego Fajardo, who's like the dark horse of that division. He sure. didn't need to. He no. lost due to like tech like the just the technique of Diego. Diego Fajardo is just showing with Fortis MMA the evolution of MMA and seeing how just using the cage isn't a good defense to takedowns anymore. Yeah. Where Donald Cerrone, he fought Alexander Hernandez and said, sit down, right. young buck. I loved it. Right. In so, the very fight. Loved the Perry right. fight. So it's, I think, where you see the inconsistencies with Anthony Pettis. He goes against – and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is not even that much older of a fighter. He just fought when there it's were sponsorships. Miles. You know, yeah. so he kind of gets that older fighter vibe, and he knocked him out. So we also had a really long kickboxing career before he became right. Pettis, so you know, so he has a lot of miles on him before, mm-hmm. that, you know. But with with this, Donald Cerrone to me, he seems like he's got miles on him still. It just it's whenever he wants, and it's whenever he shows up. When and right. whenever the you know dad Donald shows up. We saw that interview, right, where, where, he, where he talked about, you know, Cowboy didn't show up, Donald showed up against Connor. Whereas Pettis, I think just technically isn't, isn't that material anymore. I just think you're, you're, be, you're banking on one-shot knockouts and you're going to get technically beat by other people. And I don't think, I don't, I don't think that – I think that's worth more retiring than a guy that Donald Cerrone – Built up his wrestling at welterweight, like rocked in more knockout wins, submission wins. Like I've seen an evolution in this game. Yeah. Even in his older weight. Whereas Anthony Pettis, like I'm banking on you, maybe knocking him out and then getting a submission if they're stunned. Like I don't, that's a lot to bank on. Yeah. I mean, Pettis won their first fight, obviously. Yeah. And, um, you know, but uh, you to, watch to that me, fight. To me, to me, that's really irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, different to, energies. To, yeah, 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 yeah. To me, to me, that's really irrelevant at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, like, I think uh, Cerrone just has a little more grit, mm-hmm. um, and I think Cerrone's going to win this fight. I could see it being a being a you know a decision. Yeah. Um, I just don't know how much these guys really have left in the tank, and um, you know, like if they're going to fight each other and fight guys, have fights yeah. like this for the headline prelim cards, I think it's a good move for them, good move for the UFC, because these are guys that we know, guys that we want to see fight, guys that we enjoy. If not, then, you know, like I want to just, you know, see, see, them, see them right off in the sunset. That's, that's what I'm hoping for, you know, sooner than later, you know, yeah. before they go and get three knockouts in a row, you know. Like, I don't want to see them go out, like, you know. I think, and I think Donald's in a good space, too, where he could retire, and I think he's got enough uh, set up in his life where he'll be okay. Um, I think Anthony Pettis, yeah. I think maybe he opened up his own gym. <laughs> I don't know his as much, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, it just depends on what they've got going on after. I, I hope that these guys being around the sport long enough, they've got something that they can, you know, go to after this is all over. And well, like, uh, well, I mean, Cerrone's popular enough to where Cerrone could just go live off sponsorships. He, he, mm-hmm. he could go advertise, you know, for, 
fight gears or even Budweiser or something like that. Yeah. I know he loves his Budweiser. Whereas like Pettis may not have that popularity, but, but he's also really close to Duke Rufus. He, he could be like a top guy over, over, over Rufus sports. They're not yeah. going away anytime soon. Whereas no. like, you know, Cowboy had that falling out with uh, Winkle John. So I don't see him going back to Jackson Wink to do anything. Also, but I mean, I, Donald's say he's got a ranch. Like he can just right. live, you know? Right. <laughs> so that's I'm why sure, I, I'm sure he has the money he needs. Yeah. But uh, this next fight is a a matchup of just two submission specialists. Um, one of them really dynamically changed their striking, but has been off for oh, they're the same age. That's crazy. Yeah, they are. Is that interesting? Yeah. Wow. Um, Olianek moves more like he's forty-two. Yeah, I just I just think I mean Verdum's just too good here. I think. Yeah. I mean. You know, like I saw, you know, uh, we, we talked before about, you know, these lines. I think, you know, was it for Dooms, like plus, it's like minus 300 or something like that. Yeah. I think, I think that's a little wider than it should be. I mean, if I were a betting man and they, they had Olenek at plus 240, like if I, if I were a betting man, and I mean, I, I haven't bet on the sport in over 15 no. years. The last, the last fight I bet on was um, Edwards over mark hominick so that shows the last time i bet on a fight that was probably 2002 or 2003 mm. but um for doom i think he's just too good here i think he's i mean he's one of the best ground fighters of all time do we see the return of Alexi's the flying great. sidekick maybe. maybe i don't i don't know I know he's 42 you know maybe maybe pulls that back out i and think he he's uh, still with a pretty sure he's still with king's mma pretty sure he's still with um you cordero. know cordero who's you know one of the best striking coaches in the world. You know, you saw him, you saw Cordero with Mike Tyson recently. If you haven't seen the video of Cordero just tooling up people in the gym, sparring them, it is one of the Dude, coolest. Cordero's no joke. There were those old videos of him, of him back in Brazil back in the day. When I interviewed Cordero, talking about Vandalay, he was really good. Cordero's yeah. a really, really good interview. I, he put out a striking instructional. I'm about to grab it because uh, I love him. He's like a yeah. sneaky, he's like sneaky Brazilian ninja. He's very yeah. good. He's very, very good. Yeah, you know, you he's know. The, I mean, he's essentially the brains behind Shoot Day Box, the yeah. brains behind Vandalay and Shogun. It's it's sneaky Muay Thai, which I love too, because it it works very well with the smaller gloves, and I think yeah. that's a big. Uh, I mean, you see it with Verdum. Verdum is the embodiment of that King's MMA, where it's yeah. just like knees from everywhere, elbows, kicks, flying shit, like whatever. It's just like yeah, everything and every, and he doesn't have to worry because. Take him down. Go for it. Like, well, like, a, like a, uh, Cordero told me that one of the things he loves most is getting someone who wrestles or does jujitsu oh. and teaches them from, from the ground up how to strike. Mm-hmm. You know, just he, he prefers that, just having it all be his own, you know, ideas and stuff like that. And, and like, you know, this goes to show, like, you know, w- w- what he did with, you know, Kelvin Gastelum, yeah. what he's done with Verdum, you know. These guys are, you know, they're still great fighters, you know, even though... Brian Ortega you know, should have gone there. Brian Ortega's mm-hmm. looking great now, but you're talking about a guy who had the jiu-jitsu to go to a Rafael Cordero and just have him be like, listen, this is how you do strike. I mean, watching Verdum strike and outstrike Travis Brown, a guy who, you know, I mean, in heavyweight, everyone's got the power to knock you out, but the way he outclassed him striking twice... Um, yeah. And to be able to uh, avoid power striker like Travis Brown, and then not even have to focus on the jujitsu, right? Like that that's something that 
Brian Ortega is like, oh man, well, if there's any guy that can take a, take a guy like a jujitsu fanatic and then turn him into um, a high flying Muay Thai practitioner, it's that guy. Right. And I'm interested to see what happens with Ortega. If he's going to fight Korean zombie, what's going to happen with that? You know, I mean, they got to fight. I mean, no. you got to make that happen. You know, I mean, no. they want to fight. They got to fight. I mean, I want to see him fight. So you have Esparza and Watterson. Yep. Uh, this to me it's like i'm surprised they have they even fought before i'm surprised they haven't even fought yet i mean too you know it's so hard to say with this i mean what what do you think i i think i haven't really i mean our, i think esparza might actually be on a winning streak yeah She's on a surprising winning streak. Yeah, before that's, <laughs> a surprising winning streak. <laughs> yeah, well, because you you don't really know much from Wait. her. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. From yeah, from her. Yeah, she's on. Uh, yeah, she, okay. So her last loss, and this is what I mean by it is uh, right. Tatiana yeah, Suarez Tatiana. is who I'm more focused on in this division. Um, Michelle Watterson, I was. I mean, the Yoana fight was the definite, like the d- definitive. Like, do you continue focusing on Michelle Watterson? Like. Does she would have been the next in line for the Whaley fight? So then now they're they're both fighting up the ladder. Um, it's just that Carla Sparza's on the winning streak, and Michelle Watterson's looking to get that W back, um, or just like to get back in line. So to me, whoever wants it more. So I think maybe Carla just through wrestling and being a little bit more of the grittier fighter in this situation. And just forgetting about the taekwondo and just plowing right through it and getting it to the could table. happen. Yeah. Definitely could happen. And I'm just gonna go with Watterson. I yeah. think Watterson's just technically better. I think. I think she. Yeah, I think she could. She could definitely just snap, like sidekick her way to a I W. So. I just think that since Carla's coming off the two wins, and she might see a yeah a a, a she has a wind at her back for sure. Yeah. So I mean, like, I think a Watterson is just. I mean, I, I think she's just all around a better fighter. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and hopefully. Then you got Hall, yeah. And Ray. Yep, I uh, I like Uri in this one because I don't know if you saw that video slash article with him just living in the gym. He went total. I didn't see that. No. He went total like. Doesn't he put up blow up mattress? Everything in the gym hasn't left, and so I think he's. I mean, the seriousness. He's also on a winning streak, I think, as well. And I think he's just uh he's yeah he's trying to get that to that yeah two so two fight winning streak he's trying to he's he's seen I think seeing Israel for him is um gives him hope where a guy yeah. that with that kind of style can be the champion and I think he goes oh well if he can do it um I just gotta get in that mindset because Uriah Hall when he's in it he's a scary dude he is. And I mean, like Jacare is fantastic. What was Jacare's last fight? Was that his knockout over Weidman? Was that his last fight? Mm-hmm. I think it was. Right. It was uh, the, the the Blackwood. Oh, he went up Black to light heavyweight, and then he lost to Hermanson. Okay, yeah. So okay, so like it, yeah, it's been it's been two fights since he's gotten a win. So, you know, like I think I mean I do think Hall is going to win this fight. Um, I didn't even know about the 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 part about living in the gym. So you know that that kind of just you know strengthens my uh my my position on that i just think Um, the i think when you see that you see a guy who's got a vision for something and um i mean jacques ray he's he's got that 
he's got the one punch knockout power equivalent on the ground. But the problem with jujitsu is Mackenzie Dern learned it real quick. You have to get them there. If you don't right. get them there, it's kind of a useless skill. So yeah. it's, it's about, is Uriah Hall going to show up, not let Jacare play into like brawling range and staying away and kicking him and just setting him up like uh, Whitaker did. Yeah. Then you got a, a Luke and Price. Just a rematch for the fans, I guess. I don't yeah. know why they're doing that fight, but <laughs> no, me never. either. You know, I think a price. You know, what was Price's last fight? Was then he got beat up by Neil? Was that his last fight? Uh, I think his last fight was the the Vic one, where Vic was like, "I'm gonna come up to welterweight." Yeah, and then he gets oh, up kicked, yeah. and then oh, Neil. oh yes, yeah, yeah, uh. I remember that. Yeah, that Vic up kick. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Being I like, seven, I like Vic too. I like I like I like James Vic. Um, he you know, needs, that's hard to say. James Vix is a is a tricky character for me because uh, he got away a lot with being seven feet tall almost, yeah. and then now you get guys that like that. There's a certain level where that just doesn't work anymore, and uh, I don't know. He just he gets clipped, and uh, it's like a Struve effect almost. It, it's and there was a and there was Luke was when he. Uh, broke broke Perry's nose. Yeah, no. Uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson was his last fight. Stephen Wonderboy, um, he beat him up real bad. Uh, oh, okay. and then yeah, before that, Luke fought Perry, yeah, but broke, broke broke Perry's nose. You know, yeah, I, I think uh, Luke is a pre- pretty steep uh, favorite in this fight. I'm gonna go yeah. with Luke for this one as well. I think he won I the think, first uh, one I think, too. I think so. I think Luke, Luke is just better. And then the Bryce Mitchell. I mean, I'm drinking the Kool Aid on Bryce Mitchell. Yeah. They're both submission specialists. They are. I like. I like them both. I'm not as familiar with 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 with, with Rosa, but um, so he's a he's a. I mean, as far as how I tell how old a fighter is, I think he was in like UFC two video game too. So like he's been in the yeah. Like he's been fighting. I've seen him before. Like I just I I just don't know him as as well as yeah. Mitchell. I'm gonna go with Mitchell in this one. Yeah. I think he's really Same. good. I think the young just being young and he's just relevant. a young young buck and he, he likes it too. I, uh, yeah. Um, Span and Alvi. Yeah, I love Sam Alvi. I talked to I talked to Alvi for uh, Dan Henderson. I talked to him quite a bit. Super nice guy. Very humble. Mm-hmm. Great stories. I don't know if he wins this fight though. No. So you know, like, I think he's, you know, get, he's get, get, getting a little long in the tooth. When yeah, um, when I see numbers like thirty three and thirteen, and then seventeen and five. I mean, almost, I mean he's had he's had he's had almost fifty fights. Yeah. The only person I mean, that I, those that, aren't good numbers, you know. As, I mean, not record is whatever, but yeah. I mean, no, just, 46, 46 fights. That's a lot of fights. The only yeah. person that doesn't that doesn't those numbers don't shock me or that don't like don't take away from them is Gegard Mousasi. For some reason, he's been fighting since the Spanish flu, and <laughs> and like it doesn't show. But most fighters, when you see those numbers, you go, "That makes sense." Yeah. Musashi's great. I mean, I love Musashi. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. To the I mean, technique. you know, like I, I am, I am rooting for Alvi, but my money would be on Span and that. Brian Span, yeah, just yeah. Uh, and just younger, younger, hungrier. Sometimes just it is what the what the lines say it is. Even though yeah. you go, oh no, this guy, you can really. I just I've seen, I've seen a lot of fights just go. Oh wow, Vegas was right on this, even though I know this fighter 
I thought I knew this fighter better than Vegas knows the fighter. Yeah. These guys creating these lines. I mean, I've watched this sport for 20 years as a hardcore fan. I cannot believe how close they are on getting these, these lines, right. I just don't, I don't understand how that happens. I just, I don't understand how they do it, you know, but All right, Nate. Well, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, yeah. We got a lot of talk. I, I'm everyone really appreciate it. This is going to be a great interview for everybody. I uh, it's so we much. Do it going again on. sometime. You know, once we get a Dude. couple episodes out, we'll come back and talk. You know, about Any one of these cards time. over the summer. Yeah, Any or even time. just talk about the cars. I mean, I'll talk about the fights, whatever. You know? I'll talk old fights. I'll talk any fights. I could do yeah. this all day. I love this. Me too. This is awesome. Me too. Um, you want to go ahead and plug uh, your stuff again, just so at the end of it everyone can catch where you're at and what yeah you know you find us on twitter at mma true fan um same with instagram and facebook and uh we're on apple podcast youtube all the major apps and um uh trying to think what else we have going on um gonna start doing a little uh, youtube uh video series here pretty soon uh where i'm gonna try to do some green screens try to get some try to try to shorten it up a little bit uh with maybe some video clips and some uh, interview clips with along the way i'm working on that right now and um, so we're going to have St. Pierre, Henderson, Hoyce, Anderson, uh, Don Fry, Frank Shamrock, Henzo Gracie coming out here over the next year or so, every, every other month. But you can find Vandalay Silva, Minotaur Noguera, Couture, yep. uh, Boss Rutten, Ken yep. Shamrock, Kevin Randleman. I don't want to repeat any. Yeah, all your, your season one's all out. So yeah, yeah, that, that, that's all out right now. And uh, you know, it's just like us us telling the story, with putting the clips in along the way. Mm-hmm. And um, we're trying to get them a little more clip heavy, um, because you know, as we listen to season one, we really like the dynamic of having the clips in there, and um, trying to get that, trying to get them more involved. And you know, after people hear it, they they they, they like the clips as well because you get to hear, you know them talking about you know how they felt after the fight as opposed to me saying how they felt because it's just more impactful you know right but uh thanks for having me on i really yeah, appreciate it and, uh, absolutely you know, big fan is good good chatting and uh oh, thanks we'll, man. Talk, we'll talk soon hopefully yeah absolutely thanks nate if you guys want to catch this podcast and more remember sunscrapnation.com for everything else training videos uh other stuff uh shop whatever uh and then you can catch us on itunes soundcloud google play spotify sunscrapnation.com Thanks, guys. Thanks, Nate. And until next time, stay safe, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks.